welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Joker. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian McCroskey. Uh, I can't use my real last name because my university doesn't hire polls. <laughs> and with a Joker tagline, I expect maybe as many as three, Kelly Wand. I'm excited because I got Dingus's joke, by the way. Um, oh, catchphrase for Joker. Todd Phillips' is funniest since due date. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Owen, what else you got? Finally a comic book character I can relate to. Ooh, that's a little creepy, Kelly Wan. Do you have something that's more suitable for families? Care. The movie Scorsese doesn't care if you see. <laughs> that's for the poster. I'm out. <laughs> I erased a lot of them. So they get worse from there. So I decided to uh, quit while I was behind. All right. Well, Dingus, tell the listeners what about what this movie that Kelly Wan was doing taglines for. But don't give away any spoilers, Dingus. Just All right. straight up facts. This week we saw Joker. Facts. A 2019 American crime drama psychological thriller origin story movie based on DC Comics characters about how comedy is subjective. Isn't that what they say? It was directed by Todd Phillips and written by him with Scott Silver, basing the premise on Batman the Killing Joke, written by Alan Moore and illustrated by Brian Boland. But what? Is not, that in the movie credits, or where are you getting that from, Dingus? Uh, from uh, the internets. I don't, think that was, I don't think that was credited in the movie, though, was it? No, because the, they actually didn't look. They didn't look to comic books or any specific comic books for um, inspiration, but back when Silver was just a producer of the project, they used Killing Joke as a just a basis for the premise. Okay. Which they didn't really. Yeah, because that's a, that I was that's why I was surprised that Dingus said that. Is I didn't. Well, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk more. There Go is on, one Dingus. aspect that's from it. We'll talk it's more. Go on, Dingus. Yeah. Yeah, they abandoned a lot of that. Um, okay, so uh, it stars River Phoenix, Francis Conroy, Robert D. Nero, Zazie Beetz, Brett Cullen, Shea Wiggum, Bill Camp, Glenn Fleshler, Lee Gill, <laughs> what? Uh, Sharon Washington and April Grace. Joker is rated R. Oh, come on, Dingus, it's a superhero movie. How can it be rated R? Why on earth would it be rated R? It's rated R for strong, bloody violence. Uh, well. Dis disturbing behavior. Yeah, sure. Language. And brief sexual images. What? His notebook. The point where he flips what? open his notebook. There's bona fide That's porn in there, Kelly Wong. If you draw, that's like no, a no, it's not drawn. He's posted in. He's he's pasted in photographs mm -hmm. of naked ladies. R rating. Thank you, MPAA. Oh, okay. It's they're doing their job. They're on the lookout. They're very alert they for have, that sort of thing. Where they have Margot Robbie. Nice that he gets a notebook when he call it. You call it a notebook. It's a diary. Come on now. Well, it's a joke journal. You're a joke journal. I like you. <laughs> Oh, oh uh, so okay, yeah, so sorry. That's Dingus's job uh, done. <laughs> I thought there was going to be more. Uh, Joker <laughs> is at 59 on Metacritic. Rotten Tomatoes has 68% of the reviews positive. Cinema score audiences gave it a B plus. Mm, ouch. 
However, uh, it did very well at the box office. It uh, opened number one with $94 million, uh, and it looks like it's going to have um, – there's a, there's a, it's going to have legs. There's a concept of a multiplier in uh, movies, which is how I much of its so. total take does it get on its opening weekend. And a lot of movies like this, a big flash in the pan, they make most of their money on their opening weekend, so they have a low multiplier. Uh, one of the movies with the lowest multiplier of all time is the uh, Batman vs. Superman movie. Uh, and this looks like it's going to be the inverse of that because it's doing very well on its second weekend. Uh, and I predict it's going to have even more legs going forward. So that said, Kelly Wand, you seem to have identified with this movie, as, as you implied in the tagline. Why don't you therefore show it to us through the lens of your mind <laughs> by conveying to us the Jacropsis? I forgot to do my rating thing. But, oh, shoot, um, Kelly Wand, <laughs> should the MPAA – I forget. That's on me, Kelly Wand. Should the MPAA – No, it's on me because Dingus finished, and then I should have said it. But yeah. right, but, right, but I'm the, basically I'm in charge of the structure here. I have like the whole – That's a good point. Right. You, so that's, if you fall, you're like the last levy. That's totally on me, right. So, so Kelly Wand, did the MPAA forget anything? I noticed an improper use of refrigerators, pillows, and exorcist steps – uh, some king of comedy and taxi driver. Fun for all ages, but especially third graders interested in nicotine. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly the smoking. That's that's that was. I'm surprised that that wasn't listed in the MPAA disclaimers there. They didn't notice that. Yeah. They're busy. They had their okay, so what were you saying? My Kelly, one. I'd like the Jacropsis. All right. See, even you can get that one. That's a that's for the poster for the podcast. Joker Opsis. Woo! Joaquin sits in a dressing room in his Joker makeup and plays with his lips for a few minutes. Beside <laughs> me, Letterman yawns. Beside him, wait. Beside him, the the Riddler leans over to Harley Quinn. I'm exclusively punchline themed. Beside her, Pennywise is all. There were no clowns in the '80s. <laughs> I hope there are no kids in this. <laughs> a black guy plays ragtime over 1920s opening credits on a sidewalk while Joaquin, dressed as a clown, tries to dance to it while holding a wooden sign that says, More black men playing pianos inside, 50% off. I think that joke works with any ethnicity, by the way. Beside me, Mr. Glass is all classic 80s theme song and opening credits spawn. Suddenly, some ethnic kids are all, Hey, look, a man trying to entice us into buying a musical instrument. They steal Joaquin's sign and run off giggling through traffic. Later, Pendeo. Joker reveals his only known superpower, running fast in big shoes, but still getting hit by cars. Youthful kids in normal shoes are no match for a 40-year-old in clown shoes' agility and are forced to defend themselves with wood. They beat him up and damage his groin while he sobs and cries. Cesar Romero, the only true clown prince of crime in my Gotham essay. <laughs> also, uh, Matthew Modine in uh, Full Metal Jacket. Beside uh. <laughs> me, Batman's all. That's it. Instead of listening to his jokes angrily all the time with my fists clenched, I should just punch Joker more. Uh, thank you, Todd Phillips. 
I'm all. He's also 30 years older than you, apparently, and you still can't finish him. <laughs> Rattle clatter. A big yellow word's all joke opsis in a desk room downtown. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? Name. Dr. Black Lady, is it just me or is it getting crazier out there? Gotham sucks. I bet if we had our own billionaire superhero and a genius police commissioner, though, it'd be great. <laughs> Speaking of nothing, how's your joke book journal coming? <clears throat> I hope my death makes more sense than my life. In the audience, I'm all... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone looks at me worriedly. I look over to confused Trump and go, see, he spelled sense wrong with C and E, like the money, you know, money. Dr. Black Lady, I miss being in a straight jacket. Can you up my medication by any chance? You're on seven kinds already. You mean for all of them? <laughs> Joaquin asked me to please keep it down. On the bus, a black kid stares at him, so he pretends he's bad at his hands. The kid laughs at his haircut. Could y'all stop annoying my kid? And for the last time, I'm not up on your medication. Uh, first off, I wasn't annoying him. I was making him laugh to annoy you. And secondly, <laughs> he ends them a small card that says, I have a condition and may laugh constantly at stuff that's not funny. Beside me, naked Arnold gets up and starts handing out cards to the audience that say, I have a condition. I may be naked and arbitrarily interrupt the film. <laughs> Physically attack Kevin Costner. <laughs> and or talk at length about Eraser or Junior. <laughs> An usher starts passing around a collection dolphin for donations to cure Arnold's disease. <laughs> no one can see the movie because all these people are standing up handing out cards <laughs> just as Warner Brothers feared that's why the security guards are there meanwhile in a broken down elevator Joker's neighbors all damn first you asked me to up your medication then you annoy my son on the bus now the elevator breaks down with you and me and my kid in it Ah. This building's awful, mommy, huh? La, 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 la. It's awful. Building's awful. Building's awful. Building's awful. Beside me, Pennywise sighs irritably. <laughs> Agreeing with Pennywise, the neighbor lady points her finger like a gun and feigns shooting herself in the head in slow motion. Joker's in love. Later, in a hallway, he's all, hey, hey. He feigns shooting himself in the head. Remember from seconds ago? <laughs> Her face is all, I prefer to be known for my work as a bus passenger. Later in his crummy apartment, Arthur, good news, dear. I wrote another letter to Batman's dad today. <laughs> oh, shh, TV's on. From glamorous Hollywood-like Gotham City, it's 1981's classic rating smash, Gotham Late City Tonight Night, with your host, classic funny man Robert De Niro. Thanks, Stinky, you fired. Go to hell. The audience laughs as a man in a suit is subdued and thrown out a door. Hey, by the way, uh, Gotham's being attacked by giant rats. 
Too bad this movie's not Catwoman. <laughs> I love you, Bobby. Little Fockers, underrated. <laughs> oh, someone with an annoying laugh, heckling and interrupting me. Let's talk to him further. Pesci, put a light on him. What's your name, young man? I live with my mother. I think my superpower's laughing. The audience is quiet. Hold on, there's nothing funny about that. I lived with my, uh, the, the penguin's mother for three weeks. That woman would put anything in her. Then I went out for a pack of cigarettes and never came back. The audience is all, aww. Beside me, Kaitel yawns. I take good care of my mother. The audience applauds glumly. My mother says I'm here to spread joy and laughter. The audience is silent. Boy, was this better than my monologue. In fact, Joaquin, come down and stand beside me while we take a standing O. We got a great show for you tonight, folks. Jerry Lewis will be coming out to talk about his first dramatic role. Also, we have new stand-up from Bill Cosby. And animal expert Cal Worthington is here to talk about his new family-sized 4x4s. Comedian Sandra Bernhardt and Love Boat's Fred Grandy. JK, that's all the time we have. Good night, folks! As the crowd cheers. You know, Joaquin, I'd give all this up to have a 40-year-old like you heckle me every night. The next day, in the clown locker room, he shares with other men. Joaquin tightens his shoelaces and shoulder blades. We hear the shoulder blades. Sup, ladies? <laughs> Look, everybody, it's Randall. The DC Universe character Randall. <laughs> Kiernan wakes up instantly. Joaquin, here I got you a gun. <laughs> Wrapped it in this brown sack for you. The sack might be a hallucination. Hey, Gary, do your people call it miniature golf or just golf? Everybody's all, ha, classic Randall, taller than Gary. Later. <laughs> Damn it, Phoenix, you know how long it took me to write that ragtime sign? You're fired. And you owe me for the ink. And those kids are filing a lawsuit saying your scrotum injured their shoes. Joaquin gets mad at a dumpster in an alley. That night, he bathes his mom in vinegar. Good news, Mother. Everyone at work says my stand-up's ready for the Justice League. But you have to be funny to be a comedian. Beside me, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's all, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Joaquin takes his shirt off and watches the 30s musical about sailors sandpapering wooden beams. Hey, Joaquin, you're a really good dancer. He forgets how guns work and accidentally shoots the window. <laughs> Eisenberg's broom bangs on the wall. Damn it, Fleck! Hoo hoo! Hickory doo! <laughs> Joaquin stalks his neighbor in a hoodie while she sees her child off to prison. That night at a comedy club. By the way, my girlfriend and I have sex. The audience is all, ooh! I for Ted am a professor at Georgetown University. Me and Joaquin are all, ha <laughs> She's all, I don't hire Jews. The audience laughs. Joaquin writes in his journal, say something humorous. His doorbell rings. Joaquin, were you following me today? I think that was so hot. You should rob my son's school. I can do it tomorrow. Come see my stand-up. Hmm, sounds awesome. As long as you promise to stock me home afterwards. The next day in a kid's hospital. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. A gun falls out of Joaquin's underwear while he's dancing. I laugh again. <laughs> My audience glances at me uneasily. <laughs> the sick kids and nurses don't get it. They just look bored. A kid extras all. It didn't go off. <laughs> C minus. 
Sick kids. Later. But sir, I need this job. Damn it, Joaquin, a knife I could understand. Also, Randall tells me you've been making short jokes about Gary. Randall told you that? I lean over to Michael Cade and go, maybe Alfred's crazy and you just thought you saw Batman and Catwoman's ghosts <laughs> eating in Italy. He says something classically Mayfair. That night on a subway, some Wall Street guys throw French fries on a woman. <laughs> Classic Todd Phillips. Come on, he's being nice to you. Don't be such a bitch. Her face is all, that skinny freak in clown makeup sitting far away will solve everything. Joaquin's all, <laughs> Why you, what I said wasn't funny at all. Come on, guys, let's kill him. <laughs> Where are the clowns? Wall Street bankers sing show tunes. They start to beat up Joaquin, but he tricks them by shooting them. <laughs> Gyllenhaal in his space helmet leans over. What this movie needs is drones. <laughs> Joker runs around at night carrying a plaid handbag while some sad cello music's all. You're still watching Todd Phillips' Joker movie. <laughs> Next day in the clown's rock locker room. Boy, these clown train murders have been great for business. French fry business also skyrocketing. Oi, Kira, sorry you got fired, Fleck. I really loved your joke where you misspelled sense. Ah, oh, that's great. Randall's all, yeah, it doesn't seem fair. By the way, Randall tried to sell me this gun, or I hallucinated it. Oh, wait, I forgot to punch out. He does some physical comedy with the time card machine. Since he brought a can of spray paint to work on his way downstairs, he spray paints some words above the stairs, so the only ones left visible are Ad Astra. <laughs> Honey, your father, I mean Batman's dad's on the news. And in clown news, one shot some rich guys on a train. Mr. Wayne, they worked for you. Say things. Well, I didn't know any of them personally, so they were just like family. Speaking of which, did you know my wife's name and Superman's mom's names are both? <laughs> Mr. Wayne, may I call you John? My name's Thomas. Yes, I, I, thank you, Scott. Damn, John's fine. But if you ask me, train murderers are all clowns. By the way, I'm running for mayor, and that's my campaign slogan. Later in his neighbor's apartment, today I saw the word Clompus and thought, Sometimes I don't even feel like I exist. That's great, Arthur. Arthur, I'm afraid I have bad news. I'm moving to Hawaii. Budget cuts. The system's broken. Get out. That night at the comedy club. But what's brunch? <laughs> the crowd's silent. Uh, thank you. Those were the comedy stylings of The Flash. Our next stand-up said he was told by his crazy mother from a young age... To bring laughter and joy to this dark, shitty world, and to take care of his mommy. P.S. Batman sucks. Okay, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Joaquin Phoenix! <laughs> so the farmer says, how come that pig's got a wooden leg? In the back, Letterman's all, ha <laughs> My mother told me you should work for a living, but I was all, no, Ma, I'm going to be a comedian. The audience is silent. His neighbor smiles affectionately. Three hours later, <laughs> And now for my second joke. Okay, that's all the time we have. That was Joaquin Phoenix.
Okay, next up, Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Hickory Dickory D. <laughs> While a Sinatra song plays, Joaquin goes on dates with his neighbor, and they look at posters of him on a telephone pole. A guy passes in a clown mask that's staring at him from a passing car. Hey, man, big fan of your kid's hospital gun bit. That night, Joker makes his mom dance with him to the Tonight Show credits. Beside me, the girl from My Mother yawns. Francis Conroy wanders off. Joker suddenly sees an envelope addressed to Batman's dad. He opens it and reads, Dear Mr. Wayne, we had sex. Joaquin's our son, although the studio wanted Leo. Love, Conroy. Yes, still interested. Damn it, Mom. Later at the barred gate of Wade Manor. Master Wayne, get away from that filthy hobo this instant. I was just showing him how to finger smile and give him flowers. Don't worry, they're not real. It's just magic. Like the fingers. Well, that's not funny, is it? My mom's name was Penny Fleck. Don't worry, I know she and that man's dad used to own. Your mother's nuts. What? That's impossible. Insanity doesn't run in my family. He starts strangling Alfred through the bars. Bruce watches, yawning. Sorry, Mr. Glass is all classic Bruce. <laughs> Later, paramedics, where are you taking my mother? Uh, to the hospital. Um, she had what's known as an off-screen seizure. Not as serious <laughs> as a brain cloud, but uh... <laughs> Mr. Phoenix, uh, Officer Something here and I would like to ask you a few questions, as we asked your mother earlier. Uh, our last one to her was, "Are you having a stroke?" Mr. Fleck, some kids in a children's hospital suggested we talk to you about the subway killings. <laughs> and want to know if you're available next Thursday. Uh, or are those just a clown thing? A clown thing? They weren't real. Those children are just a prop for my act. Now, if you'll excuse me, he bumps into a glass door. Hospitals are exit only. <laughs> Joker sits with his neighbor in the hospital waiting room. She's all, well, bye. I got another hallucination in 10. <laughs> <laughs> On the TV. So my stupid kid today was all garbage strike. Where are we going to get all our garbage from? Joaquin laughs. De Niro's kid's such a fucking idiot. By the way, my writers thought, instead of writing more than one joke tonight for my monologue, we'd show you some footage of a mentally ill man bombing in a comedy club. <laughs> Check out this Joker. But, Mom, I'm going to be a comedian. Oi, oi, oi. That person's delivery leaves something to be desired. The audience laughs. The Jaws ladies all, I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> now let's make fun of this sick person some more. When I told kids in the schoolyard I wanted to be a comedian, they laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You got that right, Joaquin. The audience laughs and cheers. Hooray for De Niro's takedowns of anonymous comics. We've got a great show tonight. Adrian Zemet is here to talk about his sword training for Grease 2. And we've got old music by Del Rubin and the Stiffs. <laughs> and in business news, 99% of the citizens of Gotham City, including the woman who had French fries thrown on her, have decided to all wear clown makeup and march around to protest money. Motherfucking billionaires, they're the real clowns. Limos ain't that much bigger than clown cars, and they wear corsages too, yo. Gotham City's one billionaire had this to say. 
These people are sick. I'm trying to help clowns. My rideshare program means only 12 clowns per car and full medical coverage for every injury sustained by dynamite or being shot out of every three cannons. So if you like what I'm saying, vote for Wayne. Wayne for Gotham City Mayor 81, bitches. Beside me, DeVito's penguin is all, I ran for mayor in the Pfeiffer one. I won after I bit a reporter's nose off. Classic Burton. Joaquin somehow gets a job as a 1920s organ grinder's monkey, bellhop, and goes to an opera that he figures Batman's dad might be interested in. <laughs> the opera is canceled, so everybody watches a Charlie Chaplin movie <laughs> in an opera house. The audience keeps laughing every few seconds because Chaplin doesn't die. Later, in a restroom, Hi, I'm Joaquin Phoenix. My mom's name is Penny Fleck. I heard we both seen the inside of that vagina. <laughs> Your mom's nuts. That's why we hired her to throw french fries on people on trains. She adopted you. Then she went insane and was put in Arkham Asylum. Then they went, cool, she seems cured. Let's let her out. Let her adopt a kid. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> oh, then why do I look just like Frances Conroy? I did what I could for her by firing her and reading her letters aloud in boardroom meetings to the stockholders. My heart always bleeds for the mentally disturbed. He punches Joaquin in the face. Stop teaching my fucking kid how to smile. Looks like a goof. Turning a batshit. Joaquin decides to clean out his refrigerator. Hello, Joaquin. This is Robert De Niro's female secretary. Um, listen, our audience can't get enough of your creepy outbursts. Bob would like to have you on the show and laugh some more until it becomes uncomfortable. Oh, sounds great. How's Thursday? Later at Arkham Asylum. Yep, here we are. Penny Fleck went nuts, was found guilty of doing something unspecific but bad to her own loser child. Oh shit, saying all this aloud. Sorry, bro. Not used to being around crazy people. Could I see that? I'd like to read it again in a stairwell in a couple seconds while cello music plays. Nope. No can do. Sorry. Only the psychotic inmates are allowed to read their own files. Rules are... What the... oh, oh. Damn this hole in the window! <laughs> Who knew? Later, in a stairwell, Joaquin shakes his head, reading page after page of words. Conroy declared insane. Everything Alfred and Batman's dad said is true. Your mother beat you, adopted, so technically not your mother. Stand up unpolished. Guess you don't remember being tied to the radiator. Batman's dad unrelated to you. Your mom made those cards to hand out on buses. Ugh. Later, in the black lady's apartment. What the hell are you doing in my apartment? Just feeling your sofa cover. You live down the hall. Please leave. I lean over to Chris O'Donnell sitting beside me. Wow, she's into role-playing. Silver Naked Arnold sits down on top of him. The Joker is not the only classic Batman villain getting a hard R-rated uh, adventure this autumn. <laughs> this Thanksgiving, get ready for Halmadum's Freeze, starring me and all the roles. Mr. Freeze, he not only makes the jokes like the Joker, but on a more interesting subject matter about how the temperatures work. He has a freeze gun and a medical degree and a dead wife. <laughs> freeze. I'm all, wait, um, so Kevin Costner's Superman's dad. <laughs> and you're Mr. Freeze, so... That's sort of like Batman's grandma, so it's kind of like you're both working together in the DC Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Did Mr. Freeze make the glacier that Costner's ghost lives on in Batman vs. Superman? 
Kevin Costner never had any superpowers, and he died to the weather. Mr. Freeze <laughs> is the weather. <laughs> he really knows the mythos well. Just as Kataxila is the spirit guide to the dead souls that pass beyond, to the hell realm of Kram, and his immortal mother, Mom. <laughs> Go back to watching Joker. Joaquin sits in a room and visualizes how all the scenes with his neighbor would have looked if she hadn't been in the shot with him. Later. Mom, I used to think my life was a tragedy, but now I realize it's a fucking dramedy. He adjusts her pillow until she's sleeping peacefully. Then he dyes his hair green and dances and paints his tongue white. His doorbell rings. Randall and Gary? Wait, did you guys hang out together? <laughs> Yep, me, Randall. Kiernan's favorite DC character. Me and Gary, coming to your house. You know, I may hate you, but I came to your apartment with this midget I make fun of to cheer you up. By telling the cops who came to the clown garage, just wanted to make sure your hallucination and my gun thing... Wow, my eye! Randall, no! You're always so nice to me! Oh... Gary, do you watch the Robert De Niro show? I'm on tonight. Me on the telly. <laughs> it's okay, Gary. You can go. If you're sure. Okay, thanks, Joaquin. Later, asshole! <laughs> oh, I can't reach the knob. It's too high. All right. Todd Phillips, thanks. Later, asshole! Joker puts on his costume and dances on the exorcist steps with a couple birds to the music from the Ford Fairlane trailer. Beside me, Nicholson's all... Prince is more 80s. Suddenly, two cops know he's there. Joaquin, you're under arrest for smoking <laughs> while dancing. Get him! Joker tricks them by getting hit by a taxi, then by getting on a train full of clowns and starting a race riot by stealing a mask. <laughs> hey, look, it's two cops dressed normally. One of the cops accidentally shoots himself. The crowd giggles and tears the other cop to pieces while Joker laughs and smokes and dances and throws the mask away. And in clown dead cops and subway news, there are two on another one, thanks to several hundred of them. <laughs> uh, not in that order. Uh, also, a bald man with a mustache named Randall, the man, not the mustache, was stabbed, according to a comical midget named Gary. <laughs> Meanwhile, De Niro and Mark Marin stand in Joaquin's dressing room doorway. I guess the last guest on talk shows gets their own dressing room. <laughs> Mr. De Niro, when I come out, could you introduce me as Joker? It's what you called me disparagingly once. Sure, kid, but what's with the clown makeup? I think that's what Scorsese's talking about. I heard some things. Mark Marin's all. I'm not enjoying being in this at all. What am I, it's a fucking PA? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the king of 80s late night, Robert De Niro. Yeah. I loved you as Fredo. Thanks, everybody. Hey, is it hot out there? Is, or what? Uh, someone tell Aquaman to put his arm down. Uh, Aquaman doesn't control the weather, Bob. <laughs> hey, I thought I saw Superman fly by my house last night. Turned out it was the Flash. He had uh, too much chili. Uh, also, uh, there was fire coming up behind him. I should have said that part earlier. That one works! Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show for you tonight. But first, 
Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Ruth Westheimer comes out, sits on the couch, and doesn't say anything. The audience is quiet. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest wears makeup and laughs at the wrong times. Joker! Joaquin comes out. The crowd applauds while he French kisses Dr. Ruth and sits down. Dr. Ruth scowls. Thanks for being here tonight, Joker. So where were you when you got the call to be on the show? In my refrigerator. <laughs> the crowd's silent. By the way, I killed those guys on the subway. You killed those three fine young men? The crowd laughs. Joaquin shoots De Niro, so the audience puts Joaquin in a limo and has someone drive him around while White Room plays on the radio. Beside me, Mr. Glass is all, Classic 80s tune! <laughs> Meanwhile, emerging from a movie theater. Oh, now that's what I call a double feature. Blowout and Zorro the Gay Blade. <laughs> <laughs> Where would we be without Alfred's movie recommendations? Five-year-old Bruce is all, I wanted to see Arthur on the rocks. Shut up! <laughs> After Corvette summer, you pick nothing! <laughs> Suddenly a guy in a cloud mask murders two of them. I lean over to Trump and go, see, that's why he becomes Batman, because his parents are murdered. Meanwhile, the citizens of Gotham wear clown masks and start blowing up their houses and malls. Joker's limo driver's all, Damn you, Fleck, these people sure hated Randall and De Niro. Suddenly, an ambulance driven by a clown crashes into them. For fun, I pretend the driver's Mark Maron. The citizens of Gotham carrying Joker around on their backs cheering, then stand him on a car hood. Guys, look, he's using his fingers to make himself smile. Hooray for whoever he is! Let's destroy our houses some more! Later, at Arkham Asylum... Joker's neighbor sits across from him. Mm-hmm. For the last time, name? <laughs> What's so funny? You wouldn't get it. He murders her, then runs through halls giggling and leaving bloody footprints, while orderlies chase him, shaking their fists, and Sinatra sings That's Life from within a nearby cell. Some words tell me who probably also worked on Road Trip. The end. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. I understand so much more about the movie now. See? I paint the doorways. But I uh, let's have Dingus go first. Dingus, uh, what's a movie better than this? A movie not quite as good. And uh, what did you think? And then throw it over to Kelly Wand. All right. A movie that's not quite as good is Dark Phoenix. Um, I just think that uh, this is an origin story I didn't need. Um, Dark Phoenix is terrible, actually. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> you saw Dark Phoenix. <laughs> It's so poorly acted. It's amazing. Um, so the, this doesn't qualify in that regard. Uh, over this, I would put a movie called um, You Were Never Really Here, um, which the more I think about it, the more I mean, because I didn't like it at first. Uh, and you and I talked about it. And I I kind of like the movies, not only the uh, the Joaquin Phoenix um performance which i think is in the service of a better movie and uh and i i just like the way that movie's tenuous grasp on reality plays out a little better um i, I didn't care for this uh, i'm i'm one of the idiots who would have given it a low cinema score so who's next uh tom or kelly kelly wand what's a movie not quite as good as this a movie a little bit better and what did you think very quickly and then throw it over to me and then we'll open the floor uh, I agree with Dingus that it's not an origin story we needed. So, but if I, as a movie, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was dark and awful, and it's part of a movie genre that I 
personally have affection for because I feel like it speaks to me. And it's uh, the victory and self-discovery through homicidal mental illness movie genre. So my over is Hannibal, which I consider uh, I consider he's a more fleshed-out character <laughs> than uh. Joker. Um, and he does more fun things, I think, than Joker. I think they... They got away with what they could in this, but I think it would have been... In um, Dark Knight, he not only murders the crowd on Letterman when he's a guest on it, but he poisons them so all their faces turn into Joker faces. So that would have... Maybe that's... I know Todd Phillips wanted to go for a realistic thing. But my under's uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, the books are overs, but I feel that movie's an under, because I think Damon's miscast. But uh, I, uh, I quite enjoyed Joker, actually. Um, I was laughing a lot during it. A load a loadsome laugh um and it's uh i'm i can't i think i'm kind of a sucker for the weight loss roles like they always kind of when someone loses a lot of weight for a while, it always kind of impresses me um but i thought it was great i'm a big fan of joker i support it tom uh so i want to talk in a little bit about uh, about before i saw this uh, a friend of mine said something uh about what michael moore had said about this movie and it being important uh, so I then saw it, and then I looked up what Michael Moore wrote, and I want to talk about that in a little bit, partly because I think Michael Moore is wrong. Um, this, to me, and I, I loved this. I am crazy about this movie, uh, and I want to put it uh, – here's what I love about it. I love that, first of all, Todd Phillips really got what Joaquin Phoenix was doing and what Scott Silver's script, which I think is amazing, uh, was going for. So Todd Phillips – I don't, I, it never would have occurred to me that he could direct something like this, so I was very pleasantly surprised at that. Um, but what I mainly loved about this, about what Joaquin Phoenix was doing, and what I think Scott Silver's script was doing, uh, is making a deconstructionist superhero story about mental illness. Um, and I, as a story about mental illness, it, it was a little sensational, um, but I loved it as a deconstructionist look at this goofy villain from a goofy comic book. Uh, so my my under is I'm going to just bracket this uh, differently. I think that, that here's a movie about mental illness, which I think is terrible, and that's a brilliant mind, um, in which yeah. uh, a guy just sort of powers through. He doesn't take his medication. He powers through it and he gets over it. And mental illness is something you, f- you fight it hard enough and you're fine. Uh, I detest that movie. Um, you mean a beautiful mind. A Beautiful Mind. What did I call it? Brilliant. Yeah, well, Beautiful, Brilliant, whatever he thinks he is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a Beautiful Mind is the Russell Crowe thing. Oh, that one. Okay, yeah. Right. Is that Ron Howard, by the way? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Everything you're saying is true, but Connolly. So my yeah. over, which also gets to why I really like this a lot, my over is another movie that I adore that has some amazingly eerie similarities to Joker. And it's a movie called Christine, in which Rebecca Hall plays Christine uh, Chuddock, uh, a, a woman who, in 1974, shot herself live on the air. She committed suicide. Um, <clears throat> she was a, a news anchor, and she had a history of, of mental illness. And the movie Christine, Rebecca Hall is, is great in it, and it's also a, a very disarming story about the highs and lows of mental illness, about the effects of depression and loneliness, um, and how sometimes people slip through the cracks. Um, so I, I see this as very similar to Christine. Uh, I liked it almost as much as Christine. Uh, and there you go. I'm, I'm going to be the big fan. Kelly Wand, you're in the middle. Dingus, you're the naysayer. I'm way closer to you than to Dingus, though. Like, I love that his superpower is mental illness. Like, he finds his true calling through it. 
I don't even think that's partly too. Like one of the things that I thought watching this movie is, in this world, I don't really think there's a place for a Batman. Uh, like I, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine this is yeah. going to go anywhere. And I kind of like that it ended with the words "the end." Um, but I can't Supposedly. imagine putting a Batman into this particular world. He, uh, he throws the Waynes under the bus, kind of, because uh, Bruce Wayne's dad hired those douchebags on the train who were asking for it, and they were being and were throwing fries on someone. And, and were, like he was, he like that's an easy. I love the murders in this too. Like, there's nothing sensational about them. Uh, but yeah, very, very matter of fact violence. So you say, Bruce, so here's. Dingus, do you know about what Michael Moore has said about this? Is this anything that's been on your radar at all? No, not at all. Um, I don't. Uh, by the way, uh, I think Sam uh, Vidovich, who is, uh, I think, the first time Sam Vidovich has written in, more closely tracks to you. Uh, Sam Vidovich loved this, and for some of the same reasons you're talking about. Um, but I, I know of at least two other people who talked about the mental illness angle, which I quite like that take in on the movie. So go ahead. Well, so th that's that's why I also uh, and I can see I can completely understand this movie not working for people. By the way, like I can I yeah, can I understand I can understand it being divisive. Like and it makes perfect sense to me. And I like my uh, mom would hate it. Yeah, yeah, and and I could even understand. Like I'm curious to hear more from Dingus, but I'm not that surprised that he didn't. Yeah, care for it. Um, so, but I, I do think that mental illness angle, it's, that's really why it appealed to me. And uh, I want to read what Michael Moore said. Uh, and so, and, and I, I wonder too how much of this conversation is going on right now about Joker. Um, Michael Moore basically wrote that, uh, you know, I'm going to lose my voice, so I can't read his thing, but he basically thinks it's about class warfare. And he, he, of course, as you might imagine, he's Michael Moore, so what do you what do you expect? But he brings up Trump, and he brings up uh, this thing about, look, if you oppress people and if you neglect people who need help so much, then there's a, a danger of violence, and this is what we need to avoid, and this is a cautionary tale, and everybody should see it. Um, but I really don't see that much uh, politica I don't see this as a politicized movie. Uh, and I don't really see this as that relevant of a political story because the class warfare stuff in this is pretty glib. And I think it's, it's, it's a prop, basically. I liked it because it's sort of like it, it taps into the fundamental paradox of like if Bruce Wayne's a billionaire, why is Gotham City such a shithole? Like – it basically well, says, like, it's, they're related. I, the movie doesn't deconstruct this down to the point of making – like, I think in this movie, Bruce uh, – uh, Thomas Wayne is a stand-up guy, and I don't think the movie yeah, is trying to tell us otherwise. I totally disagree. Okay. I, and I, actually, John Renninger um, is on the same side of that. I think that, uh, that um, in the actual – at least as I see it, the the more original movies or because I don't know the source material that well, he's a straight up philanthropist. And Bruce Wayne is. Thomas Wayne, we don't know. I mean, well, I, I know Thomas, Bruce Wayne is dingus, but I didn't know that about his dad. So go well, ahead. Sorry. Thomas Wayne is known as that. And in this version, to quote John Renninger, he seems more like an evil one percenter and nearly Trumpian. And young Bruce uh, looks like Baron or uh, or something. I mean, he. He, he it's it's almost like um, Todd Phillips and Scott Silver are giving a justification for uh, Thomas Wayne to be shot because no, wait, are you saying that or that's what John Renninger yeah. said? 
Now that's I'm saying that. that what's I, the what's the textual support for that? Because I I didn't see it. Like what 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 do you, what do you say makes him? What, what do you recall that makes him like look like a, a a villain? He says clowns are like. Joker well, he's a, a, is a clown. Real quick, shooting. I do concede. He's a politician, like he's a rich politician. Um, but I don't see this as a. I, I don't. I don't see the Trump comparison. Like I don't. I. I could see that as an interpretation. I, I would certainly grant you that. But I don't see textual support for it. I see it in some of the things that Thomas Wayne says, just in passing as a politician. Okay. But more about that. That sort of those uh, right wing keywords about lifting your, yourself up by your bootstraps and those types of things. Right. Uh, rather than than like the more compassionate conservatism, say, of George W. Bush, even though he plays a little bit of lip service to that. So, I mean, I, I don't see it as straight up Trump or Trumpism as John Renninger does, but I do see it as moving the needle back toward we're going to shoot him and you're not really going to care that. Well, that's why like I would I would see him as a pre-Trump Mitt Romney, for instance, which is not at mm. all like which is not the current situation we're in and the Mitt Romney that existed before Trump was elected is completely different than the one who exists now and the Republican Party that exists now and right. I don't think that and Thomas Wayne is an intentional analog to anything going on with current politics I guess that's my overall point is yeah the bootstrap stuff that's that's just t- boilerplate Republican talking points since the, the after World War II, I mean that's nothing new, and I don't think it's particularly evil. Um, it's certainly uh, being opportunistic about crime uh, to get elected. I, think it's, I don't. I think it's silly to think about it too much because you're only going to use what you need to make the, the Joker's story work. Like you're going to make him be somewhat callous so that the Joker feels. And and that's that Kelly I mean, Wand is why I don't think the movie is very politicized because it's right. more of a down in the weeds perspective from from one man's view like this an is an unreliable it's, narrator too exactly an unreliable narrator and and also uh I, I i don't think that joaquin phoenix when he gets on the murray show and says i don't care about politics i think that's true yeah uh, and i think that's kind of even true of the, the movie and he's not racist like he's different from travis well Bickle. like he's more he, specific he also says and i think that i really loved this lie i think this is telling he says i don't believe in anything I mean, well, he basically uh, says everybody's awful, like that, and that, that, and that, that certainly would be his. Pers- like, I can completely understand the movie earns that perspective f- for us, the audience, and for for him. Well, I certainly agree with Ke- what Kelly said about him not being racist. I, what it, what I thought was weird is that the movie takes great pains not to show violence toward any minority whatsoever. The only violence that is shown is toward white people, and the the uh, the two black people that are killed, or the three. Are killed off screen, and the that counts though, kind of. I mean, he does kill. They're not; the those aren't shown. I mean, it's no, he, just, you know. he just doesn't show them. And he and the the guys who steal the sign, they're not the ones he reacts to. He reacts to the white um, Wall Street. That's guy. that's earlier though. Like, it depends on where that happens in the story. No, too. I think that that's Todd Phillips. I don't think that's the Joker. I mean, we just don't see those things because he doesn't feel like showing violence toward minorities. I guess. I didn't. I don't. Know. Yeah, I'm that's, not sure. That's I mean, a bit of a stretch. Happens in the movie. Well, no, no, that's, that's absolutely. But I, I, I question reading intent into that dingus. Like, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I can't dispute that. But I'm not sure. I don't think it's a racial movie or, political. or a political movie. And, and I'm, I'm with you. There. I think it's like, mental illness, pure, 
like full stop. But I do want to. I do though. By the way, and this, I want to give the movie props for this. It, whatever it's doing, I think it's doing it for lots of different people. Like I do think it is open to interpretation. Um, it's right. not. It's you know, I talk about the difference between subtlety and ambiguity. I think there's plenty of ambiguity here, and there's plenty that's open for interpretation. And I admire that about the, the movie because it's not. I didn't expect it. It reminded me of the master in a good way. I see the the yanking of the rug out from under a mentally ill society or or the part of that society as directly political. I mean, his social worker yeah. says the funding has been cut. They don't give a shit about us. That that's that's a political statement, and it and it tracks directly to I think Ronald Reagan shutting down mental institutions. Sure. And certainly with the time period that the movie is set in, that absolutely, Dingus, you're absolutely right. Let, yes. let me let me give you a counterpoint to this, uh, where, which would be, I think, part of the richness of the movie is that here's my answer for what you're saying. Because I, I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, but here is kind of how I experienced and what I saw it. Uh, okay. And this is going to sound super highfalutin, so I apologize in advance, but there's this literary device uh, called the, the pathetic fallacy. And the idea is that the natural order – mirrors the protagonist's uh, emotions and feelings. Uh, you know, if, if somebody is sad, it rains. Uh, if somebody is uh, in, confused and in doubt, it's windy. If they're angry, a storm comes up. And, You're nuts and to it, live in Gotham. And it has this idea of, it, it, for some reason, it's called a pathetic fallacy, which is a weird thing to call it because it sounds almost like a judgmental uh, reference to it. But it's just it's just the name for that kind of thing. And I think that this movie is because it's so centered on a protagonist what we're seeing isn't so much a political message as a social expression of the pathetic fallacy the movie is about one man's rotting brain his brain his mind his his mental integrity is falling apart it's collapsing and the backdrop for it is a city that is also collapsing where the services are failing the garbage is getting ter- taken away uh, rats are erupting people are mean to each other um, so rather than look at it as a specific political reference it seems to me more like this idea of making the natural order reflect the interior state of the protagonist it's rigging support the ship that you're sailing and that doesn't and that doesn't discredit anybody too. Like I, I, Michael Moore gets a little extreme, and I, he was just super excited to see this, and it, it comes through everything he wrote on Facebook. Um, but but just for me, my own experience, I didn't get a political message out of it. I got more of this this uh, message about one man's mind falling apart, and the city, as you say, Kelly Wan rigging. Like the city is both uh, he, almost his mind falling apart effects. The falling apart of the city and vice versa. Right. Yeah. yeah. Everything is connected. That's something I really. It's a very graceful movie. Like I was really surprised at how good the writing was. Because yeah. like everything affects everything else. Like nothing's. Like the mom. Everything. Like the when he freaks out. This is why I don't think it's it's racial. It's like if you look at what's going on in the movie at that point. Like he's he's steadily realizing how insane he is. The thing I was a little confused at is like, does he stop taking the medication and that's why? Or does the medication help make him the Joker? I don't fucking know. But um, I guess it doesn't matter. Well, I guess the idea is like he's his superpower is no medication is going to affect his insanity. Or something. Well, no, he, he can't have his medication anymore and he finds out the truth about his past and the inevitable abuse that he underwent and, and that's where it comes from. It's not the medication that's causing it. It's 
that it's being yanked away from him and all of and the services that were the one thing that he could sort of hang on to even though he says when she asks is coming here helping you and he's like well actually i preferred going to the hospital or in the hospital but the lack of medication is is one of his problems and i think that that's a a hugely telling part of as far as what this movie has to say about mental illness Um, no i just met when he i it's kind of a dumb point i was i was trying to make but like does he does he when he comes off the medication is that what causes the hallucination or as he is the hallucinations part of his medication and then when he stops is when he like he the reality seeps in more and more and that makes him more insane I don't know what I'm saying. Well, you are right, Kelly Wand. I mean, part of what what the the plot arc is, is that this social safety net that's supposed to be there for him is going to fall away, and that includes not having access to the medication he needs. Um, Right. But all the other things are falling apart before he even loses that. Like, he loses his job. And that, by the way, when you talk about everything being related, that's also one of the things I admire about the movie, is how well... Even though, like, I didn't feel the pace was hurried or anything, but I thought it did a really good job of building momentum and ratcheting up tension and using, in the background, this idea of this 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 TV show and this coming demonstration uh, and how all those were like, you know, we talked about Ad Astra. All of Ad Astra is leading to a payoff scene, and the payoff was terrible. I felt yeah. that this movie as it's going on, reveals, hey, there's going to be a payoff of this TV show and with this protest, and I thought the payoff in this was just marvelous. But it, in a way... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, well, I was going to ask if, it, if, if you were impatient at all with their pay-on to Scorsese in that regard, because one of the things is that, um, that John Renninger says is that he really did not like Robert De Niro's performance and thought that Jerry Lewis, for instance, was much better uh, in the same performance, essentially. Um, and I thought it was weird that they took their inspiration of just trying to, um, I don't know, lick Martin Scorsese a little bit. Did that not bother you at all? He was a producer originally. He left. Um, I don't think it did because I, I kind of liked seeing this idea of Robert De Niro as a, as a Johnny Carson. Um, I mean, I certainly, oh. yeah, like that would be the flip side of, hey, what if Rupert Pupkin actually worked out? Yeah. Um, but I, well, none of it didn't bother me, I have to say. Before I saw it, I was like, this is just going to ape King of Comedy. Ugh. And then while I was watching it, I'm all, wait, this is like King of Comedy. This is awesome. Like oh. I was kind of enjoying it while That's I was seeing tough. it happen. Right. But like, I've seen this, and I, I liked it better when it was the actual original movie. I, mean, I, don't I, I think also part of, part of what Cat – oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Dingus. You were, go ahead. No, no, sorry. go ahead. Part part of what the casting does too is, uh, I, I always find it really difficult to watch uh, dramatized in movies and TV shows um, instances of of telecasts uh, or even radio casts where it's anathema to have silence or pauses or you you want things going. But in order to dramatize to make dramatic like an interview yeah. or something, the protagonist will just sort of like zone out and have a dramatic pause in the silence that doesn't really happen on tv um so what they do here is murray kind of takes on a tough guy act towards this person where he thinks that like i think he sees an opportunity to prove that he's kind of a to be a tough guy with this this guy who's just confessed to a murder uh and i would believe de niro would do that 
you know, I wouldn't believe necessarily that Johnny Carson or, or David Letterman or, or Jimmy Kimmel would do that. But I would believe that De Niro would see, oh, this is a real murderer. Mark Maron is telling me to cut, but no, I'm not going to. I'm going to lean into this. Uh, like that being De Niro, that kind of worked for me. Huh. Um, uh, go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say in the killing joke, um, the part they took from it is that he's a failed stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, the part they didn't take from it is in the comic – he has a pregnant wife, which is why he's desperate for the money. And then I think she and the kid die, and that makes him insane. So in a way, I liked the movie more than the Alan Moore. Like, I like the idea that he's all alone in this, and every time, like, everyone he thinks he has a connection with, he doesn't. By the well, end. that it's also, I mean, awful. so Dingus, did it kind of bother you, too, how similar it was to You Were Never Really Here? Because the whole thing also, like, that was almost like his character living with his mother in that. Right. Well, that's why I like that movie better. I just thought it was more realistic, and I liked the way that she handled it much more. All right. Solipsistic. Um, the, there, there were two things that uh, that Sam Vidovich said that I thought were interesting, and one of them I, I had written in my notes as well. Not this first one. He said it's the 80s, and uh, not one, not just one, but two people are filming uh, an open mic show. Not only that, that even worse than no, no, nobody's filming an an open mic show. What this movie is doing is something that I hate, 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 and so many movies do it. It's using the footage actually shot for the movie. Like there's no camera. (laughs) What we're watching when when Todd Phillips shoots the sequence of Joaquin Phoenix at the comedy show to be put on the screen, he just reuses that footage as supposedly video footage. No. Lame. I always movies constantly do that. It drives me crazy. This is like you, like you're the guy complaining about the science at Ad Astra. No, 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 no. Because because it, it's a it's a facet of filmmaking. Like nobody like within the fiction of this world, don't show me the movie that I'm watching. Right. And that's what yeah. that's what people do when they do like security camera footage or found footage or videotape or or newscasts. They just repurpose edited. stuff they've already shot. And I'm aware. Look, I saw that in the movie. I was watching the movie. Don't show but me maybe, what you already shot. But maybe it's part of his hallucination. He's never on the show. No, it's just it's lazy well, filmmaking is what it is. And it's not. Well, I'm okay with with crappy science, but lazy filmmaking I cannot abide. <laughs> Shoot uh, separate footage. <laughs> When I saw this, I was thinking, oh, Randall told the truth about the gun to the boss, and he hallucinated Randall giving him the gun. But then later, Randall goes, hey, we got to keep our story straight for the cops. So I guess that's not a hallucination. So I've gotten better since Batman Dark Knight Rises <laughs> at knowing what the hallucination is. Now, our, the go ahead, hallucination, the, the problem I have that Sam also has, Sam Vidovich also has, is the. Uh, is the reveal of the girlfriend? Um, I I got not I got, a reveal at all. I got to take issue with that. Um, well, I got it, and I don't need the flashback crap. Right. That's that's there for the dumb people, Dingus. That's not for us. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, he wants us to realize. Or, like, I I don't think it's supposed to be a surprise. Like, it's it's pretty clear early on in that scene with her. This isn't really happening. Like this right. is what he wants, not what's actually happening. And certainly, when she's by the time she's at the hospital, you know, how did she even get there? Like, what, he was alone in an ambulance going to the hospital. Are we cutting? Fat, are we supposed to assume that he called her? No. Like, I think it's early on very clear. Just like with the the um, 
the footage of him being at the Tonight Show, like it's super clear. Okay, this is a hallucination, and I think right. it's very similar with Zazie Beetz's scenes. But Todd Phillips feels the need, and there are dumb people watching this movie to show it. just to make sure you guys get it. Here's what was really happening. Uh, I'm sure at least three people that. Oh, what? right, right, exactly. <laughs> I know you're you gotta right get about that, Tom. I know you're right, but I just wanted to be paid the compliment of I. I knew this was happening. I don't need to be shown. And again, Sam calls sure. it the bike club footage. Sure. Yeah. No, because I, I also actress. when they were I, I when I'm seeing that too, and I'm realizing oh she's not really there. I'm wondering well does does Todd like Todd Phillips knows that I know, but does he is is he going to do something for people in the cheap seats? Like and yeah, he did. I was disappointed at that. But, but she she carries it because like the reason you know it's fake, Tom, is because her acting's good enough to tell you like yeah. The, yeah, her. I agree. I agree with you. And and let me say, I just I want to thank Todd Phillips. Uh, she was so freaking distracting in Deadpool for being hot and dressed the way she was. In this, she was distracting for being hot, but at least she was more modestly attired. Thank you, Todd Phillips, for not distracting me from the movie the no, way that I was distracted in Deadpool. Don't worry about Tom. This is his fucking ghost big mouths thing that he actually secretly likes. <laughs> she was so hot. Are you guys kidding? She's beautiful. Oh, I cannot. Yeah, I know, but why is that beach? bad? Why what? I don't know. It's just it, her and, is the wrong and word. her and Almost Angie Trow. Just every now and then, somebody's just so beautiful that I wish they weren't in the movie. I don't no, know she's talented too. She's really good at this. Yeah, no, she's and great. She, but she wouldn't have looked hot for him. So right, right. Although right. that's interesting. The part that his fantasy didn't even include her dressed as her Deadpool outfit. Well, Kelly Wong, what do you think of the fact that we don't see? Um, do you think anything? Well, I had to put. What, we don't see him leave her apartment. Do you think anything happened to her and her child? I don't think that's implied. We do okay. see him leave. We we see him walk down we, the hall after he kills them. Oh, you think he killed? Because that's what I'm wondering: is do you think he oh, killed yeah. Zazie Beats in the in the kid? Absolutely. Kelly, want is you that? And, I didn't I don't, think about it, but now Dingus sounds really sure. Like, well, I, I think Dingus is right too, but I think the movie was a little bit shy about it. The movie just wanted to leave it implied rather than implicit, um, which I'm okay Sneak with, it. by the way. Uh, yeah, or like but, he couldn't he couldn't bear to flashback to it the way he could. Uh, well, you know, actually, Dingus. In part, here's why I think Dingus might. Let's Gary live. Well, that's what, exactly what I'm thinking. Is Dingus? I, I think because he lets Gary live. Maybe he doesn't freak out and kill her. And and the movie probably would it would it He lets he doesn't yeah. kill anyone who doesn't have it coming. I think you're right. Part, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack on that because I was thinking that's super dark and I like thinking of it being dark, but you're right, when you think about what happened with Gary I yeah. don't think the implications Like his murders are all you're like, Yeah, I get it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But so the mom denies his reality and she says, Get out. But she says it worried. She's not mother. She's, I mean, he's coming to terms with who he is at this point. That is, of what his life actually is. He does treat Harley like garbage later. <laughs> She's an actual hot love interest. But I, I get. I, I mean, Dingus. I I do think that the movie isn't so dark that like the movie does kind of dance around him only killing people who quote deserve it. Actually, he kills the therapist at the end who looked who's a black lady, and we well, see the. Footprint. You know, you're right, Kelly Wan, but I think that's also getting at this idea that, like, okay, now he's going to go on and become, and this might even be in his head, and the way that that last shot is filmed. Clockwork makes Orange. Me, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly, Kelly Wan. But 
that that's kind of too like almost like okay so now he's going to go on and become this goofy arch villain who puts bombs on ferry boats to subject the citizens of Gotham to the that's... prisoner's dilemma or he dips Batman and Robin in vats of acid and he makes chattering teeth spit that's out poisonous the... gas like all of that nonsense um that's the transition to all that nonsense but it's a the end like all that's going to yeah. be in his head maybe like i love that idea the only thing is like the joker's mm. thing is he's he's a genius and can chem- make chemical engineering like corsages that shoot acid and stuff and none of that suggested in this movie exactly at all. Like, or that he's a leader smart. of men or that he has yeah. followers yeah right right and like he, so in the DC universe, like the reason he always has followers is is everyone's too like even though he kills underlings on a whim, they're too scared of him to right. leave or like deny him anything. Like or he's, he's got some, yeah, yeah, exactly. He rules yeah. through fear, and his unpredictability is part of his superpower. But I, mean, I, I don't, I don't see this guy being able to rule anything. Yeah, he just sort of jumps no. into his villainy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that yeah. that is why I, 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 for me, part of this deconstruction is. He doesn't kill the therapist at the end. He imagines he kills her, and he imagines he goes off into this uh, this blurry long corridor to a life of fighting a grown up vigilante named Batman, doing all these like crazy plots. Like he imagines all that. I think. But that's then Todd Phillips gives us a, a the end title card. The footprints, right. the bloody footprints, are subjective. I mean, we see. I that. know, and they're yeah, yeah. Because they're so like perfect. I, I mean, they. I mean, no, I'm sorry. They're. Ob- I mean, we see that 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 his back is turned. That those are actual bloody footprints. <laughs> I, I think you can imagine things behind you, Dingus. <laughs> uh, I thought he killed her, but maybe I'm dumb. Well, um, no, no. I mean, that, that's another thing too, where I think, I think it's I think it's ambiguity. Ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. But when like, you said it's not ambiguous, the the neighbors a hallucination like that's there's. That, there's a vast textual support for that. Like, I don't right. know if there's a t- support that he doesn't kill her. Well, right, right, right. And I, I don't think I think at that point the movie is willing to go ahead and be vague. And he could have killed the neighbor too. Like Dingus thinks he did. There's no evidence that he did. Well, it definitely so, doesn't. It doesn't say one way or the other. Like it doesn't show right. him leaving the apartment or apologizing to her. It doesn't show how he reacts to her saying "get out." And that's a conspicuous I, omission. So fair enough. We can make our own inferences about that. Yeah. My other takeaway is that Gotham never has another late night talk show again because we never see any of the modern <laughs> movies. Like after dinner, we're like, all right, all right. We don't want the Joker just killing. <laughs> like the talk show as an art form is, is shut down. Yeah. <laughs> Gotham's like, there's a ban on it, like vaping. They lost some. So but that's I also, the thing, too, is like the audience, the audience is appalled by the Joker. Like, oh, my God. But the city's also running rampant for the Joker outside. Like, I was curious about that timeline. Like, do those people know he killed De Niro? Like, the ones rioting at the end? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, it wasn't that. That just good. makes sense. So, so here's another thing, more. too. These talk shows are not broadcast live. <laughs> like, that's not how they work. But the, yeah. the, the, in the fiction of this universe, that murder was broadcast live. Like, but everybody he, got to see that. Here's the thing. Like, he kills Randall. Gary escapes, uh, probably, presumably tells the police. The police chase him down the steps. He loses them on the train. Then hours have to go by before he tapes that show. Right. So the police, you think, would know. Or How are they going to know he's been booked on the Murray show? I don't know. Wouldn't they? No. Well, isn't that a problem for you? Not knowing what's real and what's not. I mean, to an extent. I mean, the the guy down, the guy who kills Thomas Wayne and his wife is somebody else, and right. the Joker isn't there for that. So. Right. That's Gary. He tells Gary he's going to be on the show. 
so they, that's how he would know. He goes, oh, yeah, and he said he was he was booked on the Murray show. So Gary, a witness to Randall's murder, was told by the Joker. I don't think Gary but, believes him. Or told them. Or he... He can say what he wants to say. That doesn't mean it's real. Right. No, I know. That's true. But these are things, and, these are things I thought about after the movie, like not while I was watching it. And Dingus, to your question, I don't I don't mind an unreliable narrator narrator at all, specifically in a movie about mad about a guy going crazy. And it's established him as someone who's hallucinating. So like, okay. But I don't know that they've made the Clear that he's hallucinating. I don't mind an unreliable narrator at all, but I think that the writer and the director should have made specific decisions about at least and, and at least have them in a sealed envelope somewhere um, that they actually made those decisions. And here, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure that they did. Really? Like, well, about uh, you mean like about killing the the social worker at the end, like that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Or the na- or or the or the um the imaginary girlfriend. If we have that widely different interpretations of it. Well, I don't I don't think there's any I don't think there's textual support that he killed her. I just think you could infer it if you wanted to. Right. Okay. I well I think that him dancing down the hallway and the where his character is is becoming and again dancing down the hallway at the end are that kind of support. He doesn't come out and hold, and say I killed these people. I mean, there isn't that textual support. You well, can and I would counter too with, with saying that his, you know, his whole motive for killing people is clear, and it generally is somebody that he's got a grudge against or somebody who's wronged him. Uh, As opposed and, to Gary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I think him letting Gary go, we can infer from that certain things about how he would react to Zazie Beats uh, being upset. And the neighbors never mean to him, but the therapist doesn't right. mean. <laughs> Well, and that's why but, also that that's why also like is he even imagining like is that really his therapist like see, I, I just love how soft focus all that is and how and in, indeterminate it is about like the location it's just like white rooms it's like it could be in his head for all we know yeah there's there's schools of thought on whether taxi driver at the end and Sybil Shepherd no a taxi is real or not no 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 none that are legitimate <laughs> please <laughs> well, I'm just saying Todd Phillips obviously is. Going for that mood. You're so absolutely wants, right. Yeah. He wants you. He wants us to be doing this. Yeah. He would be delighted that we're like, well, I don't know. Yep. The director of old school. Yep. <laughs> Super good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're legitimizing. But like. Well, which I'm fine with, by the way. I, I, oh yeah. no, no, yeah, yeah. But I think I. It's. I'm curious if like there's textual support for like he for the phone call from Murray coming when he's in the refrigerator being a hallucination. Everything in the movie after that being up for grabs. Here, here you go, Kelly. One, I'll do you one better. When he crawls in the refrigerator, I was thinking, wait a minute. Refrigerators back then were notoriously uh, known for like children getting locked inside and suffocated. Yeah. So, Kelly, Wand, what if when he got in the refrigerator, the rest of the movie was his dying hallucination exactly. as he was <laughs> suffocating? <laughs> That's a good joke. He's a funny joke. And he he did go. I mean, he it's implied that he was going to go for suicide. Like he's suicidal way early in the movie. Well, presumably, there's also a tape of the Booker calling the answering machine. Right. So for the cops to hear, right? If they would they investigate Randall's murder? <laughs> Classic Randall. But I'm assuming he was on the show because De Niro's reaction seems genuine. Like he didn't, fa- like as opposed to earlier in the movie when he's like, oh, "I wish you were my son." Like he doesn't say anything like that, and the crowd Here's, turns on him. I'll give you some support for it being a hallucination. 
Okay. When Bill Camp and Shea Wiggum see him on the stairs, yeah, and a chase and a chase ensues. Bill Camp, there's no way he could keep pace with Shea Wiggum and Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> there's no way that he would not have been left behind by the time they get to the subway. How far is the subway? I don't know, but even just running the shots of Shea Wiggum and Bill Camp side by side running. Bill Camp, I mean, I love the guy as an actor, but boy, that dude's out of shape. He could not keep pace with Shea Wiggum. And every single shot, he's shoulder to shoulder running with Shea Wiggum. <laughs> so, therefore, Kelly Wand, it's all hallucination. Wait, because he's fat? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an L, so he has to run up the stairs instead of down the stairs. Right. Because Gotham, Chicago. <laughs> um, something. So, con- <laughs> contrasting this to Jane Got a Gun. Do you guys notice Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix's uh, fingernails? No. Horrifically bitten down to the quick. It was horrific. Really? Amazingly Maybe that was horrific. for the part. Maybe they were no, no, I know. It was totally for the part, and it was brilliant. Like, oh, my God. I mean, the thing, too, is just textually the movie just felt – it had that nice 70s grit to it, and everybody smoking and just the, yeah, the palette – uh, loved I loved it. the look of it. Yeah, I love the idea that the Joker is a chain smoker too. Like yeah. right away, I'm like, ah, oh, I love this movie. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly what I was hoping it would be. Huh? Loved the physicality of his left shoulder, and even asks if he was double jointed, um, because to Sam it said it looked it looked super fucked up and became this gross signifier of past abuse. Oh, I didn't even associate it with the abuse. Right. Yeah. Right. Good point. There's Sam. a lot. Yeah. The shot where his shoulder blades and he's tightening the shoelaces, but it sounds like he's tightening the shoulder blades. Like it's tension. His mind is also tightening. I love that shot. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. Such a f- and he and he had to lose the weight just for that one shot. If you think about it, but it was totally worth it. Um, Kelly Wand, how do you feel about the fact that this is an R-rated movie that made ninety-four million dollars in its opening weekend? How much uh, more do you think it would have made if it was PG-13? Maybe less, because there would have been we wouldn't have been as excited to see it. But you know what? I'll tell. I'll say this. This is okay. The second R-rated superhero movie after Deadpool. I don't count. Oh, Super- Logan, Logan. Don't forget, because I also I, this is up there with Logan for me. I mean, not that high, but along the lines no, of it, a movie doing something cool with superheroes that I couldn't have cared less about. No, but for me, it's the best R-rated superhero. Movie. Oh, I see. Love okay. Deadpool. Like right. this is what an R-rated superhero movie should be. Boy, instead you know, of Logan. I I railed against R-rated superhero movies when um, when Deadpool came out because Kiernan couldn't go. Um, But we watched The Dark Knight the other night uh, because I couldn't take him to this one. Oh, Uh, no, no, I was going to ask. What do you think? Michael Moore thinks you should take him, Dingus. Well, his mother thinks I shouldn't. How old is he? (laughs) 13? He's 14 years old. Uh, 14. Uh, 14's old enough. Okay, continue. Sorry. But anyway. I'd be a terrible parent, probably. But anyway, um, as much as I love The Dark Knight, it is very frustrating to watch them bend over backwards to make a PG-13. Because there are a couple moments where Kiernan's sitting there, like when the the kingpin um, or the guy, the guy with the pool table, <laughs> uh, he has the knife in the guy's mouth. And then the, the shot goes a little bit long from behind Joker. And all of a sudden, the guy just collapses, and Kiernan's like, wait, what happened? Did he did he kill him? And you can't tell because they're trying so hard to make it PG-13. See? Right? It's doing the opposite of what it should right. be doing. 
confusing the young people. <laughs> and I'm being completely facetious, by the way. With Deadpool and Logan and this, I'm really glad that there is – I mean, of course, there's a market, but I'm glad that big studios like Warner Brothers are, are, are willing to take a chance and let these have R ratings. I, I just and, – and that they're still successful. Like I do feel like uh, the fact that this made as much money as it did just vindicates that we can use superheroes for adult movies, and I love that. And you know who hasn't done it yet? You know who hasn't done a an R-rated superhero movie? It's fucking Disney. So now, now Warner Brothers is beating Disney and Marvel for the first time, like stylistically, I think. Like this is better than fucking Endgame. I wonder if this will, yeah, like will will Disney? What you know, we, I could see them being sticks in the mud for long enough that it won't happen in our lifetime. Who knows? They're gonna get worse, I think. I think Marvel's gonna. I think Marvel just lost all their resources, in my opinion, with Downey and. No, I'm inclined to believe. I know I'm inclined to get. Well, I don't know about worse, but not for uh, me. I, I feel like. Yeah, uh, but like Marvel, but like DC was going. All right, like I love what they did. Like they were gonna, they were gonna do Justice League, Batman vs Superman. Like they're just gonna do what Marvel's doing. And instead, Todd Phillips and other people like Todd Phillips like convinced them no, do one-off, low-budget things that are way darker. And I guess I mean it's a case-by-case case thing. Like this could have sucked, but it didn't. I, and I did expect that it would, by the way. Like, I, I had the benefit of super low expectations. Sure. But I was I fell in love with it really early. And I, I, know you, I know you thought my original thing was measured, but one of my notes is, I love this. It's dark and awful. Did I already say that? <laughs> you, you inferred it. We, I mean, you implied it. Did you laugh? <laughs> like, I was laughing for the whole movie. Like, when he said – and none of the audience was either. Like, I really did feel like the Joker watching the, the Joker. Guy was snoring. I really? It. Was that guy you, Dingus? Nope. <laughs> uh, the audience. I saw it in a pretty, a really full theater, actually. Um, yeah, I did and, too. And it was. It, you could hear a pin drop. Like I even had. Yeah. Like I, I, when I sit down, I'm aware of. Okay, those people are gonna. There's the kind of person who's gonna check their cell phone. This dude's gonna be talking to his date. I read everybody wrong. Like nobody talked. Nobody checked their cell phone. It was super quiet. And yeah, Kelly Wan, no laughter. The German – this is the difference between German audiences and American audiences, and I'm just assuming the German guys feel like when Gary couldn't reach the doorknob, the reaction of my German audience was like, oh, like they thought he was going to kill him for that. Oh, there was like a They bit were of worried a, about him. There was a little bit of a like a, a palpable feeling of uh, like tension when, when they saw that because everybody – you yeah. do get faked out that Gary's going to leave, and there is – like there, there was almost a gasp in the audience. Uh, right. Really? Oh, because I would have expected an American audience to go, ah, like short joke, like just basically be random. I, I would have too. Yeah, I definitely would have too. But I think, I, you know, I saw it in a nice theater, so that might be it. Is, uh, you know, maybe it, maybe it crappy matinees or whatever. But uh. I mentioned this was coming out to my mom a couple weeks ago, and before I even finished saying, she's like, "No!" Like she's definitely not seeing it. And then instantly, I parked up like, "Wait, they're making a movie?" Because that's the thing. All these comic book movies, they've kind of made safe for my mom and like thrown me under the bus. Like, right. Ah, yeah, we want your mom to enjoy these. And this is like it. Like they did this time, but they were like, ah, forget Kelly's mom. We want Kelly to have a good time. Right, right. Wow. So it was really um, great. So Dingus, we have Sam and John Renninger saw this. What's Sam's last name again? He had to, what was that? Vidovich. I think he was a, a an envoy to the Ukraine, wasn't he? Isn't that? I think he was. Yes. <laughs> uh, who else saw it? Um, well, uh, by the way, Sam Vidovich. Um, says this really cool line i see this film as a doomsday prophecy to us viewers um i, I just kind of like the way he words uh. 
Um, so we had one more writer in her, and I'm sorry, but I'm not going to share most of what he said because he didn't say anything. This is uh, our friend Bruce Garrick, who also often has really cool things to say, but all he did was link two articles. And one uh, is weak. Worker. It's called Joker's Viewing Experience of Rare Numbing Emptiness. And the other one is from the National Review. All right, I don't even want. I hope you didn't click on that. Did he send the Breitbart link? I really want. Yeah. <laughs> what about the Infowars link? Anything from he Fox it, News? It, yeah. it, that one's a that that one's a titled uh, "Honest Treatment of Madness." And I'm sorry, Bruce. I, I we want you to write your ideas in. I'm not clicking on links and reading an article and then sharing what they have to say. That's it your sounds like propaganda. No offense, Bruce. Mr. Brain it's Surgeon. Just write your thoughts, dude. Come on. Yeah, I, I doubt he even saw it. I, I'll bet you dollars don't he didn't even see it, though. I'm, I'm guessing. Oh, I'd love to hear Bruce's take on this, yeah. actually. Um, um, I, I will con- – here's, here's one way that I do think that the movie wasn't politicized, but I would want to politicize it. Uh, this movie uh, and Christine, by the way, uh, show you – and I don't think they're as aware as they could be of making the point that should be made – but both of these movies, the possession of a gun is a catalyst for mm-hmm. someone mentally ill. Gateway. Exactly. Doing something horrible. Um, and I, I think, you know, gun culture in our country is a huge problem, but also the permissive, like the lack of sensible gun laws uh, allows people who shouldn't have guns, who are mentally ill, to easily get guns. And that could be a political point that you could call from this movie. Uh, and from Christine. Well, and Randall is the one who gives it to him. And so who is Randall in that analogy? Randall like is a gun area. shows. He's in, <laughs> yeah. He has, he has <laughs> guns just to give away to people in the locker room he doesn't even like. Right. For free. Well, yeah. um, and bullets. Do you know, maybe this is just a dumb question to ask, and it probably is, but he's carrying a, it's a thirty-eight, right? I think Randall does say it's a thirty-eight, I, I, but yeah, it's a little snub-nosed pistol, right? Yeah. And that would he stabs be Randall. Six shots. Um, generally, some revolvers are just five, uh, but yeah, normally six. I didn't count them. Well, so I here. counted because he shoots those uh, Wall Street guys a lot of times. Um, so I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Dingus, they were loose. Exactly, Kelly Wand. You said what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. You can excuse everything when you decide to make it an unreliable narrator. (laughs) Diggis hates Joker. Uh, I would really wait. Who does? (laughs) Oh, oh no, because he keeps he keeps firing and it dry it dry fires after he shoots the kid in the back who runs away. Yeah, but he shoots that guy three times. He shoots another guy at least twice. Shoots another guy twice, and he shoots. I don't think he shoots the other guys twice. He shoots the other guys once and then uses the rest of his bullets chasing the fleeing guy. No, he shoots the guy against the wall twice in the chest. Oh, you know what it is? He's walking away. I think you're right. He does shoot. Right. And he shoots the guy in the leg to slow him down, and then he shoots him three times on the steps. It's just little things like that. How many times does he shoot De Niro? Does he shoot him at Oh, no, no, you're right. I thought he he empties it. I think you're right, too. I think he empties it. I think he shoots him in the eye, and then he shoots him in the chest. That's another thing I like. I like that. Just the gratuitous, like that he's that. you're dead, but I'm still shooting you. Yeah, yeah so I know you're dead, and I'm still – it's like, fuck you, fuck you. But I did immediately think of Christine in that moment, Tom, so that's a good choice. Yeah. And network. Uh, ah, okay. 
too uh, too uh, too staged. Network. network, too much like a play. Yeah, it's too, too uh, realistic. Ne- network is, looks kind too of quaint compared to what what we've got with the the Fox Media uh, networks. Really quaint. It's 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 adorable. It's cute. Is, does does network times. exist in the Joker universe? Eighties. Like maybe he that's, saw it and it influenced him. Yeah. That's the thing. Is like you hear the Budweiser commercial. You're like, all right, so it's the eighties, but it's Gotham City, a fake city. Right. Which is clearly, so clearly New York, though. I mean, I guess that's the whole point of Gotham City. Yeah. Gotham City and Metropolis are two separate cities near New York. And New York exists, too, supposedly. Like, it's in New Jersey, Gotham City. Don't get me started on the whole D.C. geography (laughs) thing. Come on, man. Rick Grimes is the mayor. You gotta care. Uh, All right. What do we see in Dingus? uh, Tell the listeners what we're seeing next week and how they can participate. All right. Well, next week we are seeing... Zombieland Double Tap. That would be the sequel to Zombieland, not Double Tap. Um, so how you participate is uh, next week by, I don't know, just before midnight, say, Sunday Pacific Standard Time, write into 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's 3x3 at quarter to 3com So Kelly... Uh-huh. After that, or actually, maybe I'm not sure when, but we will be Wait. doing a three by three. What will that three by three be, and how can people participate in that? Uh, three best bullies uh, uh, before midnight of October 28th. Is that right? Three night, or is it? We doing the November 4th? No, yeah, you're right. 28. Okay, uh, to the same address but different subject line. So three x three quarter to three dot com. And then put bullies somewhere in the subject line, and then I'll read it. And one of the things that Tom said last week that really made an impression upon yeah. me was that uh, anime has a lot of bullies, and a lot. I think that it's really ripe for this topic, especially if you include a lot of the names in the in your uh, breakdown of the anime. One of the things, Dingus, that I find beautiful about anime is the specificity. So yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, definitely. So join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. And Kelly Wand, of course. Also, best use of Send in the Clowns since Starsky and Hutch. DC really likes characters with Arth in their name. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Dingus, I have a condition that makes me talk like Kyle Chandler at the end of podcasts and involves bear grease. Always remember, that's life. Dingus, I want you inside me now. Hard R. What?